This is episode number 246 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. Last week, I covered a simple three-step process to help you design a persuasive presentation. Well, this week, we're going to show you how to take that persuasive speech structure and turn it into a business proposal presentation. So if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in sales or if you've just been recruited to participate in a presentation where you are proposing that a customer or a client hire you or your team, then this episode will help quite a bit. The episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in Baltimore, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Orlando, New York, Charlotte, Las Vegas, Chicago, Kansas City, Dallas, Columbus, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Nashville. By the way, we have our full schedule classes back for the first time since the pandemic hit. And just between you and I, we're experiencing a huge, huge demand for seats right now. So if you want to attend any of the classes that I just mentioned, make sure to go to fearlesspresentations.com to save a seat and class uh, that you're interested in. Because once the seats are gone, you'll have to wait another few months for that class to roll around again. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. So the topic today is how to present a proposal or really create a business proposal presentation. So these are a few tips to keep in mind when you're presenting a proposal to a client or to a customer or actually any audience when you're trying to where you're trying to sell an idea or sell a concept to uh, to to the audience. Um, so like, here's a scenario. You've, you've done your homework. Um, a team at your company painstakingly created the perfect sales proposal. And in fact, the potential client was so impressed with that proposal that they moved you to what they call their shortlist, meaning that, that they've kind of narrowed it, their possibility down to just a few different uh, vendors. So now they want you to present a proposal to the purchasing committee. And your team is just one of maybe six to eight companies that are going to be competing for this contract. And, and how you, so how do you make sure that the committee picks you? Or how do you make sure that that person, that prospective customer, that prospective client sees you and your team as being the folks that, that should really get this contract? Well, not to brag, but over the years, Groups that I've actually coached during this process have closed about 80% of these contracts. And it's it, it all it all boils boils down to just a couple of really, really simple things that I've kind of put together in, in this session. So um, if you do the things that I'm going to suggest that you do here, you've got a much, much, much better shot at winning one of these uh, proposal presentations. Um, so by the way, just don't, don't get hung up on the terms that I use. Sometimes you may hear me say the word bid proposal or shortlist presentation or sales presentation. Um, don't get hung up on those terms. You know, people often sometimes respond when I, when I say one of those terms or one of those phrases, 
oh no, we don't present bids to our potential customers. Or in other cases, a professional person might say, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm an accountant or I'm an attorney or something like that, right? Um, this isn't this isn't a sales presentation. Uh, the point is don't get hung up on the terms. It, basically, these, the, these are presentations that are designed to persuade an audience or a group of people or a single person to um, make a buying decision. That, that, that's, really, that, that's really what we're talking about. So the process that I'm covering will help anybody who's presenting a solution to a, a person or a group that will exchange money for that solution. So the term bid or proposal, those are kind of standard procurement terms a lot of times. And so we'll kind of use those a lot. I'll use those a lot. Uh, so these are the terms that I'll, I'll likely say and kind of use them interchangeably. Bid proposal, uh, I might say an RFP presentation, request for proposal presentation, a short list presentation, a sales presentation, presenting a quote. <laughs> but regardless of what your industry calls the speech, the process will work the same though. So don't, don't really worry about the terminology, just, realize, just worry about the step-by-step the -step process. So step number one, this is the very first thing that you want to do when you're creating one of these types of presentations is you want to focus on what the audience wants, not what you want to tell them. <laughs> In fact, this is the biggest and really most annoying mistake that presenters make when they, when they present one of these proposals is that they focus on themselves. And most often this mistake looks like what I'll describe to you in the following. The title will sound something like, why you should hire, and then put their company name in, why you should hire the Leaders Institute, why you should hire ABC Company, right? And then uh, the very first part of every bullet point in the presentation starts with their company. The Leaders Institute has lots of experience. The Leaders Institute can save you money. The Leaders Institute will finish on schedule, right? So they're putting their company in to the, as the, the, main, the main part of the presentation. Um, so, so before we kind of go any further in the in this in the, the information I'm giving you here, this is the absolute most important tip that you can get from this entire 30 minutes or so that we're going to spend together. Is that if you're saying your company name over and over again throughout the presentation, you've already lost. There, you, you're not even in the running anymore, right? The presentation shouldn't be about you and your company. That when you present a, a proposal, the entire presentation should be about them, about the people that are listening to the presentation. So before I get a chance to kind of explain, a, a lot of people will hear what I'm kind of saying here and they're going to argue with me. Doug, the whole point of the sales presentation is uh, is the, is um, we talk about why that we should be chosen, you know, and falling into that trap is why most teams do very, very poorly in one of these presentations. So here's an example of of why your audience doesn't really care about you. A lot of times, when we start to design these presentations, we have to center everything around our experience because that's our selling point. Our selling point is our experience. That is true, by the way, but not in the way that you think. Because when you're presenting a proposal to, to a client, your audience doesn't care about you at all. Um, so I'm going to insert, like I'm, I'm going to kind of go through the the typical kind of presentation bullet points and that kind of thing. And then I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate and tell you what the person who's listening to this thing will actually hear. These are, this is how they're going to interpret this, this content. So remember, most people are really concerned about their own problems and how to solve them. They're not concerned about you. So basically, if your first statement is why you should hire, and then you put your company name in there, 
my response to that would be if I'm sitting in the audience is, are you asking me why I should hire you? That's a question. Well, here's your answer. I have no clue. I don't know you. I thought you were going to tell me how you could help me fix my problem. So here's a question for you. Why didn't you just tell me why I should hire you instead of starting out by putting a question in about why I should hire you? Right? I wouldn't think that you know. I wouldn't think that you're wasting my time right now, which I do. Right. So basically, by starting off with a with a with why you should hire, it's basically it's a, that's a question. That's not a statement. So. Um, what I always suggest people do is instead of just replace that word "why" with the results, tell them why in the bullet in the title in that very first statement. Give them the reason why they sh- they should hire you. Um, so the first the first bullet point that people will typically kind of put after they have that really bad title is they'll say our company, whatever their company name is, has lots of experience. Or sometimes they'll just even put something smaller. They'll just put the words our experience as their first bullet point, right? So if I'm the person in the audience reading that, I'm going, well, aren't you special? Right? Why don't you just sit and let and why don't why don't we just sit down and let you regale us with all your past accomplishments? Now we have plenty of time, right? So in fact, we're going to applaud you as you tell us about each one of these conquests. So again, I'm being a little facetious here, but if you think about it, I mean, that's that's really the human brain kind of reacts that way to some of these really poor bullet points. So the third bullet point was our company can save you money, right? So finally, something that I actually care about, saving money. However, somehow you still made the whole section about you. <laughs> Don't you even care in the least about helping me, helping me solve a problem or helping helping me on this project? And then the last one, uh, the last bullet point that we kind of came up with that that is really bad is our company will finish on schedule. On schedule. Well, I would hope so. I mean, that's what you're promising us to do when you sign the contract with us. So now that you mention it, we might want to get some type of guarantee that you're going to now finish on time because that's actually telling us that you can finish on time. I didn't even think that you wouldn't until you brought it up, right? So as you can see, anytime you focus on yourself and your greatness and how great you are, it sounds like you're bragging. It it can turn your audience off even before you start to speak. And it can have some really, really negative consequences. So here's a better way to kind of create one of these proposals that that the audience will actually like. They're going to like you for delivering your presentation this way, and it's going to be way more interesting. So if, if you, and by the way, if you want to dominate sales presentations like this, figure out what the audience wants and then show them how you can help them get that thing, get that solution. For instance, two of the three original bullet points that we talked about did mention problems that the potential client potential client might be interested in, might they, have, they might have. One talked about saving money, the other talked about the schedule. So you can easily change those bullet points around just slightly and show the audience how they can get what they want, right? So basically you can change our company can save you money to something a little bit more tangible. Just tell them how your, you know, your expertise or what you can do can actually save them money. Um, how, and in fact, all you have to do was when you're preparing this, this presentation, say, okay, in what ways could this company, this client, this potential customer dealing with my company, how would that help them? How would that actually save them money? So basically, let's just say that you're 
uh, you're a uh, construction firm and you're you're a uh, design build firm. You know, so this is one of those construction companies that have the architects, the engineers, the builders. You know, the, basically, every, they're they're going to design this entire thing and build it. Everything, everybody's under one roof. So basically, if that's the case, then we can show them how having a firm like that can actually save them money. You could say something like hiring a design build firm with architects, engineers, and builders on staff will actually give you economies of scale, right? So for my own company, for the Leaders Institute, we save clients by having instructors in every major city. So um, I could I could create a bullet point like, you know, a, a local instructor can save you over $1,200 in travel fees. That's just for a single day, right? So if you fly an expert in from another country, that's about $1,200. You got to fly, you got the hotel, you got air or ground transportation, you got per diem, all that kind of stuff. So basically hiring us, hiring one of our firms or our, our firm to solve a solution can actually save them money because they no longer have that travel fee. So it gives them a reason. It gives them the the tangible thing that they're going to get by hiring you, and um, and helps them solve a problem as well. They don't want to pay travel fees. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to pay all of these subcontractors extra money, and and uh, and have a, a, a lower return on their investment, right? So you get, for the schedule bullet point that that's another one that's just changing around a little bit, and you can actually make it sound very enticing to the the person the people that are in the audience so basically you could say something like a thorough pre-construction process will make sure that fewer change orders develop during construction this ensures that the project stays on schedule so basically the fewer change orders that are there the the more likely we are to kind of stay stay on schedule. So for my company um, for for the leaders institute I could say a two-day seminar, and three weekly webinar sessions will solidify the skill development within a set schedule. So basically, I'm showing them. I'm not just telling them I can keep them on schedule. I'm telling them what the schedule is. I'm giving them the solution. This is the solution that will get you that result that you're looking for. The point is to figure out what the potential client or customer wants, the people that are in that audience, figure out what they want, and then show them how you can get it. Use your bullet points as a way to show them how you can, you can get them that, that thing that, they most, that they're most interested in. So now at this point, this is where folks say, well, we haven't told them about our experience. No, that's just the bullet points. All we've done so far is just, is just give them the bullet points. Now you use your experience as a way to prove that the audience can get what they want. So keep in mind, when you present a, a proposal to a, a potential customer or client, the client already assumes that you're qualified. They did that. They, they identified that during the proposal process. They, they weeded out the companies that they didn't think were qualified. So chances are they spent quite a bit of time going through all of those proposals. There may be a half dozen, a dozen, two dozen, and, uh, and they only chose to interview the ones that they already deemed qualified. So what they want to know now is, do I like these people? Can we work with these people? Are these people going to help us solve problems, right? So when you create a great sales presentation or a, a presentation on a proposal, if you outline, if you create that, that presentation outline that focuses on what they want, you're off to a good start. And then 
they're already thinking these people get us, right? They, they've, they've looked at your bullet points. They've, you, we've identified how we can kind of help them solve problems. And so they're already thinking that, hey, man, these people understand us. They get us. Now you just need to make sure that they like and trust you. So a good way to do this is by sharing your success stories, things that you've done in the past that were similar to this project. So for each one of the bullet points, all you got to do is just tell a single success story about how you've helped someone fix that problem. If, if you're talking about how, how the, uh, the travel fee, the, the reduction in travel fee actually saved them, uh, saves or helps somebody get their project in budget, tell them that story about how that happened. That might be, that maybe that happened last week. Maybe that happened 12 times in the last year. You just pick one of those times and kind of give them the story. If you're the design build firm, you just tell them one single time that one of your clients was able to save money by using you versus using a bunch of a, a general contractor and a lot of subcontractors. And, and you've kind of got the deal. Basically, you've proved it. Now your experience is now what's proving that that bullet point is true. So um, basically, it's really, really easy. So I, I'll give you an example. So um, we had a uh, a couple of years ago, we had a client who wanted four classes to be conducted simultaneously in four different cities, <laughs> so which is not necessarily an easy thing. To, it's not hard if you've got the, the staff, but you know, for us, it's a piece of cake. For a lot of our competitors, though, that's that's pretty challenging. So, so the, these four events were going on simultaneously in four different cities. Well, we saved our clients that that particular client. We saved them over four grand in travel fees. Um, because we had people in those cities, the, the major cities where they where they were going to conduct these this, these uh, events. Uh, on another occasion, a, a company hired me to train their convention speakers in a series of of three webinars, and then I traveled to the convention where these speakers were going to be speaking ahead of the, the the a day ahead of time, basically to start coaching each one of them one on one. So the combination of the in person training and the virtual training saved a lot of time and made it very easy for for them because all of these people were going to be in totally different cities. It would have been very difficult and costly to have me go to each one individually. We just did the first part virtually, and then I did the in person coaching when everybody was in one place. So these success stories kind of prove that I can help the listeners solve a similar problem because I've done it before. You can do the same thing with, with your content. Um, real quick, before I, I kind of end, I want to give you a really fun way to kind of build additional rapport. And you can do that by actually discussing one of your failures. <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking right now. What? what? You want me to tell a potential great customer how I failed? Yep. That's exactly what I'm suggesting that you do, because obviously you don't want to lead with a failure. and You don't want to tell the audience about a series of failures because that's going to make you appear incompetent. However, if you've got three or four or five key concepts that you're covering and you pick one of those as a time that you kind of learned something or you, you things didn't go as well as what you wanted them to in that particular occasion, you kind of tell them that. And then you finish that explanation with a success story about a lesson learned, how because of that challenge that occurred, you did something different the next time, give them a success story now. And uh, those two things work in conjunction with each other to kind of show that it shows the client that, that, they know you're not perfect, right? So if all you're presenting is just your, you know, the times that everything went peachy and perfect and that kind of thing, it's going to be kind of unrealistic. But if you can tell them how you experienced a challenge and how you solved that challenge and, and are likely to never have that thing come up again, now all of a sudden you're building credibility with your, with your, your customers or your potential customers. 
give you a really good example of this about five years ago huge a huge mining company hired my team to uh, help them make their safety training more fun this is something that they have to do every single year they've got 3900 miners that have to go through a full day of safety training in order to get recertified by the by the association by the mining association and so they contacted us about how asking us how they could could they do something different you know something that would still get them credit for uh, being in the class, but make it more fun, more interactive. And so we spent months kind of planning this thing. And we even got one of our popular team building activities certified through MSHA, through the, the association. And so basically what we did was we we had the, the program that we designed for them was this fun bike uh, team activity where we donated the, the, the people in the audience or the people that were getting the training had to um, remember or know certain rules about safety in order to acquire bicycle parts then we we uh, they had we had them build the bicycles and then we donated the bicycles to charity it was really it was, it was really cool because it was something totally different than anything else they'd ever done uh, so because this was so big 3900 people we're talking about 600 bicycles that had to be at a specific location at their at their their uh, facility and we had to get them there at a specific time because you can't, it's very difficult to store that many boxes. And so we, we, we shipped a single, uh, a big shipment. And then a couple of days later, or a week later, we shipped another one. A week later, we shipped another one because this was going to take place over a three-week period of time, right? So, so um, my team verified before we actually left, before we flew in to teach this, this event, and we verified that the, the first shipment had arrived and we were all excited. We got there. Uh, when we got there, though, when we inspected the, the boxes, the uh, the bike company had actually the, the, the company that we were ordering these from, wholesale, they um, they had shipped the wrong size bicycles. Now, ordinarily, that would be a big deal, except the next day <laughs> we were going to have um, uh, over 100 kids that were six, seven, eight years old come to receive bicycles and the bicycles that they sent us were for like four or five-year-old kids. So big, big problem. And we had a very short period of time to kind of fix it. So uh, my, my team went out, we basically, we, we, we all went to different Walmarts and we were buying bikes off the shelf and we spent the whole evening, almost all night, really disassembling bicycles so that we had the, the correct items for the when the participants uh, showed up the next morning and when they showed up they never knew there was a problem they they uh you know because of of the extra care that we took to actually to fix these things we were able to ship the other bikes back and get a refund and get you know the, the correct ones for the next shipment and that kind of thing but as a result of that um, we knew that we couldn't rely on uh, an outside vendor an outside company to um to, for, for something as important as this. This was a big, huge client that we almost lost because we almost failed. And it would have cost not only we would, would all the time and money that we'd spent to prepare that, we would have lost that, but lost all the income and maybe even lost the shipments as well. So it if we hadn't have been able to fix that, it would have been a, a pretty challenging kind of thing. So as a result, what we decided to do that day was we started manufacturing our own bicycles. So, and as far as I know, we're the only training company in the world that actually manufactures their own bicycles. And, and so uh, as a result, nowadays we can, with as little as maybe three days notice, we can, we can ship off um, materials for, to, to, to be anywhere in the United States 
no problem. And so we're one of the few companies that can do that because of the, the challenge that we went through. So basically, by kind of telling a story like that, it lets the it lets the client know, it lets that potential client know that, hey, these people are professional. They know what they're doing. Even when they're faced with a big challenge, they can kind of fix it. And that's what we're relying on them to do. Because we know there's going to be problems. We want somebody that can fix the problems. Oh, and by the way, if that is really true, and he's the only company that has a warehouse and has their own manufactured bicycles, that means that if I go with somebody else to do something similar, then there may be problems because they may not have the resources to do a big event like, like the one that we're planning. So just kind of keep that in mind. Remember that when you present a, a proposal the, the, to an audience, that audience really wants to know that they can trust you. By slipping in a single failure story like the one that I just kind of mentioned, you can build rapport with that group. All you got to do just is just finish the story with the lesson that you learned and then add a success story to the end of it. You know, for, for me, I, I just add the story about how one of my competitors emailed me, called me up in, in a panic one Thursday night, right? This, this is one of my biggest competitors. I, I we come I've come across the guy a couple of times, but he called me on, on a Thursday for an event on Friday that he needed 70 bicycles to be delivered to a hotel in Dallas by Friday morning. And my warehouse team rented a truck and had the bikes to him by 9 a.m. the next morning. We were able to, to solve his problem and he paid a premium price for it, right? So, so by sharing a lesson learned story in conjunction with a success story, we show the audience that we fix problems. I mean, that that's good since the reason that they're listening to you is that they have a problem right that's the reason why you're there presenting anyways because they've got a problem hopefully you can fix it or, or give them a solution to it so um just as a as in closing here if you guys have a big sales presentation or a proposal that's coming up if you've got a lot on the line and, and you're looking for some help make sure and reach out to us you can reach out to us on on uh, social media or you can go to our website at, at fearlesspresentations.com give us a call on our 800 number Sometimes we can kind of help you, give you some advice to, to make sure that you lock one of these things down and close it. Uh, so thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.